0: Hello, I'm Mike Mulvihill, and on this documentary, we're going to talk about dancing at the crossroads, dancing in the parish hall, in the ballrooms, we're going to hear about the Cayley bands, and about the show bands. We're going to hear stories about the dance halls of the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. We'll have stories from people about the different ways that they went to the dances, and came home. We'll bring back memories of the mineral bar and the slow set. This program and more to follow will feature stories from the bands who were on stage to the fans dancing on the floor. I'm with John Flynn from Tully Lannon at Leitrim Village, and we're talking about the ballroom scene, and we're talking about the show bands over the years. And I suppose really, John, you know, back in the 1930s, when we think of the earlier halls, like the Temperance Hall in Gowell, and we think about the Gralton Hall in Ephrana in County Leitrim, which was subject of the movie Jimmy's Hall, they were very much part of the jazz scene. And following on from that, there was legislation brought in for a ballroom act and that really brought about the whole scene of the show band
1: shows. Yes. The one t- determining factor, Mike, uh, they can see in this is that the country roads seem to shape and evolve t- to how people dance or how people engaged with each other. And um, we have a full record uh, on video of a crossroads Dance being held outside of Drumshambo in 1929, and then of course there's an earlier photograph of the 1890s of a Crossroads dance in some part of the west of Ireland. That's sort of on 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 file and record. I'd like to read a piece on the Crossroads. This piece has been put together uh, and it's it's dated so possibly in the 1930s or maybe before many public dances were held in the summer time. A man lived beside it called Phil the Fluter, his, his real name was Phil Higgins, and a fiddler called Ned Corrigan, and the latter was described as a poor man. Both used to play every evening on the crossroads from a Tuesday to a Sunday, Saturday excepted. The ball, as they called it, with the collection on the Sunday was given to poor Ned which was his only means of living. The people paid a penny and two pence each, and a real swank uh, or someone visiting paid twopence or sixpence and was thanked for it. The money was collected on a delf plate. The pennies sounding violently when thrown in. The crossroads they lived at is still known as the Nailers Crossroads. And do we know who wrote that piece, John? I, I don't know. I have, no, I have no record at all, and it, but it looks like the person was living local to that area because they went on at another part of it to describe the people and the different, say, the carpenter or the tradesman or the shoemaker that lived in the Crossroads. And, of course, the Crossroads was a venue that had grown around where people uh, in the early 50s uh, would hire uh, a lorry, and would have a ceilidh band, and they would dance on the crossroads. That's that, of course, is quite common.
0: Evelyn McCabe from Jamestown in County Leitrim also recalls the dancing at the crossroads.
1: Uh, that
2: was right. And Cox's Cross used to have it at the um, twenty third of June when there'd be a bonfire night at Cox's Cross, and there would be dancing up there. But I remember I used to I was learning step dancing in the town hall in Carrick with somebody called Doty Gannon. I hope I have it right. And she told us that we would need we would have to come up to Cox's Cross and we had to dance up there at Cox's Cross, imagine. But it was a huge affair up there, a big bonfire, and there was a lot of music and love of dancing. That's my memory of it.
0: Well-known entertainer Sean O'Dowd of Dingaling, born in Jamestown, County Leitrim, has fond memories of those days at the crossroads.
3: When I lived out in Cox's Cross, near Kilmore, and in case I forget to say it I played football for Kilmore. That's the only club I ever played for. We were there for a long long time and the Cox's Cross was very famous for its bonfire. My mother and father used to put on a festival there. We had many, many happy years there. And my mother started a cultus branch there as well. And our, our house was kind of a rambling house. It was a music house and a party house. and A lot of people sang and drank and ate in our house down through the years. It was one of those houses where the door was always open. And there was always some little bit of skullduggery going on and a bit of music and a bit of fun. Very happy home, have very happy memories of it. Um, My mother and father, of course, were like two peas in a pod. They just got on so well. And I suppose they were opposites in certain ways. Uh, She was a a showbiz person and he was a studious kind of a fella. My dad was our school teacher. He taught most of his life in Drumsna National School. And we all went to him, all all of us, all the whole family went, which was kind of strange at times because when you get into trouble in the playground, uh, you'd have to answer the same as everybody else uh, to the school teacher and you called him sir. And of course, at home, that all reverted back to dad. But in school, it was uh, by the book. Um, I went to school in Carrick. I went to Mrs. Lynch's school. I went to the tech. And of course, I went to the Army School of Music. And that's where I learned quite a, uh, a bit about music. My basic uh, training was from my mother. My mother was... A top-class musician. She was a genius, actually. Uh, I wish you could hear me saying that now. I shouldn't. I, sh- I probably didn't say it to her often enough. But yes, she was brilliant. My mother. She was Phyllis Clancy with the C. Clancy, and uh, my dad was born in Jamestown himself. And uh, yes, there was eight of us in the family, and we're all still to the good. There's Monica, Margaret, Phyllis, Mary Louise, David, Ruth, myself, and Jerry. I was born in Jamestown in 1944. Can you imagine that long ago? 1944, I was the second of eight children. But my mum and dad owned owned the dance hall in Jamestown for some years and they called it the Shannon Ballroom.
0: Noel Lindrum Shambo, John James Gilmartin Kilclar and Elizabeth Babby Costello Moffat talked to me about their memories from that time.
4: Yeah, I
5: remember dancing at the crossroads, but they were clearly dancing, you know. And uh, it was all part, I think, of the Toastel at the beginning. The the Toastel started in 1953. And we're the the only venue now that keeps that Toastel going without a break. Except this
1: year, unfortunately, because of the COVID-19. The smaller hall, like if the 1930s, middle 30s, like, say, the hall down in Maguire's Hall or Cregan's Hall, they catered for a smaller people, but at least weather-wise, it suited Ireland. They could dance inside.
0: When we talk about the halls, we're looking at a different period of Ireland as well. The church would have had a lot of influence.
1: They had a big influence because they determined when you dance. So during Lent you couldn't dance, so there were no dances. That actually helped the show bands in latter years, where they went to play for the immigrants in London or in America or wherever.
6: That time there'd be dances in houses, and we go to there where there's ever a few girls or boys, and then music. Pink Arty used to in there We should go to his house. We should play cards and dance, and he should play music. Yeah. And then we go up there for now. You had no money to go to the odds, you'd go to houses and things.
7: Yeah, and we'd began to get tea. So yeah.
6: <laughs>
7: that's how we get. And we're we'll glad if we got a cup of tea. And then there was local musician, if you know, Joseph, uh, Brian. That'd be Jimmy Brian's brother, Packy Brian. He was a great fiddle player, and there was a Bordensville over it. Over well, in we across and he used to play the cardine, and Packy Brian play the fiddle, and all great. And we'd dance all night.
0: <laughs> So this is even before the ballrooms had oh, boy, bands yeah. or before anything.
6: The ball, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, well, everyone was happy. That they're more happy now than they are going round today. You know, yeah. I think, yeah. And what kind of tunes would they have played in the houses at that time? Oh, there was all Irish music, Irish yeah, music dancing, and CG Venice. And would there be many in the house? Oh, there be about uh, fourteen in the house at that time? Fourteen, maybe ten to fourteen. But no television, no radio, no nothing at that
1: So the parish hall really replaced these small, like commercial, galvanised buildings like, say, Maguire's. Some of the priests that were enterprising uh, that saw it as a means of not only making money but also of keeping an eye on the relationships of people. They didn't really believe that people should be dancing. Certainly not on a Saturday night.
0: Now talking to me is Stephen Travers of the Miami Show Band. But I do remember...
8: There used to be things when I was very young called the pioneer dances, which was pioneer total absence where, you know, people who wore the little badge that just uh, was uh, said you didn't drink. Uh, and there were quite well-known dances down, down our way. The pioneer dance was, uh, uh, was quite a, a big dance every year or maybe a couple of times a year. And I remember uh, that uh, a particular priest, and uh, if he saw a young couple dancing too close he would uh, come over with a ruler and put it between them one of the little old school <laughs> rulers and and uh, apparently he he used to say you've got to leave space for the Holy Ghost
0: Yeah <laughs> that, that, Imagine trying to do something in 2020 like that
8: Yeah well it might work for the Covid you know
0: babby Costolo now recalls the hall in Ephrana Well they, they,
8: they,
7: with that hall there was something in there was than well, the priest should go up on the Saturday night, even was allowed with it. He said they were not allowed on Saturday night because they said they were too late, they wouldn't get up to go to Mass. In those days, you didn't
5: normally go out on a Saturday night anyway, you know.
7: He maintained that there was a Mass, and people keeping away. There was nothing on Saturday night ever.
8: I think that's one of the, the, the strange things was that in Ireland the big dance night of the week was on a sunday night as opposed to today or most normal situations the big big night would probably be a saturday night or sometimes a friday night but the church apparently was worried that people would stay out too long after the dances and wouldn't get up for mass in the morning so that'll give you an idea of how uh, you know how firm a grip the
1: church had on the community people um, in some ways learned to live with it it did seem uh, a remarkable close relationship that people had with the church and that they they saw it even though they knew the value of couples and people getting married and having families but this was their only way of meeting the matchmaking had preceded all that of course and a wife was picked for you in the neighbourhood or in a second townland or whatever so that, that was simpler but this then when people began to, as they say, go further from their own parishes.
0: Elizabeth Moffat, also known as Babby Costello from Gowling, County Leitrim, shares a story with us now about a priest's housekeeper who wanted to go to a dance.
7: Well, She had a boyfriend and he used to have her up to the window before she could go to bed. <laughs> That's the only way she could get to a dance.
0: <laughs> as she'd go out and was I that. <laughs> and she was, oh, she was full of
7: diplomat. But anyway. She had a boyfriend he we was working over the Gross and he put up the ladder, DC. And, <laughs> and the priest had Christmas he'd go out for a week and he'd give her to go to Shiku home where she was from. Not up the country sometimes. Like and the priest had a new bicycle. <laughs> and anyway, her husband and the boyfriend went after Dancing Jeff, and they couldn't know where they should have got the new but so everyone have a new. It was the priest bike. Now what do you think? Did the priest come back and was right inviting the house when they came back from the dance and he wouldn't mm-hmm. arrange.
8: <laughs> you
7: had to go to the neighbour's house and then girl next morning to come over and play it w with him, get There wasn't in strict rules.
8: Yeah, and, but then it began to work for both of them because the the um the priests who wanted to perhaps put a new roof on the church or wanted to build uh, a new presbytery or whatever it was, they, they saw that the value in the dances. So they began to be promoters and I played for many of them. Maybe one of the most famous would have been the pre- Monsignor uh, Horn that built a Knock Airport. I remember we played for him. The dances became a great source of revenue for the for the church and for the community halls and all of these things. So they began to work hand in glove. and that respect, it worked for everyone.
1: The other downside to the parish halls, where there was a commercial hall in the, in the area that people could go to, there was better bands and there was a better opportunity and more freedom and less uh, restriction from the church. So people avoided the parish hall, even though out of a sense of duty, they sometimes supported it.
3: Um, Mike, I'm going to read you a little. My, my sister sent me this clipping. And I, I found it very interesting and very amusing. Uh, it's an ad uh, of one of the papers. Phyllis Clancy's band, Carrick and Shannon, complete with lady vocalist and amplifier, makes its first appearance in McNeen Hall, belcoo on Sunday, the 17th of January, 1944, dancing 9 p.m. to 4 a.m admission two and sixpence now bear in mind that monica was six months old at this stage my eldest sister so my mother was some woman she was playing accordion for seven hours it's incredible and that's the way the dancing was then in the old days and the old halls
0: john james gilmartin now recalls the entry fee to the villa in Faneville.
6: i think one and sixpence in that time that was the villa in the villa by the 6th and then in the, the summer, be two shillings we went into Dorothy's Hall Pat Dorothy's Hall in the summer you should be Mooney's Hall here from home yeah
5: the late Joe Mooney's family owned that hall and an uncle of mine Pat Doherty came back from the States and bought it in 19, the mid 40s and he ran it until the Mayflower opened and I remember a story about him Pat was very witty he ran a, a dance in Doherty's hall the night the Mayflower opened, which wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do. But he was in his hall anyway at, at midnight and he had to go upstairs into the into the dance hall. And this fella came running up the stairs, a young fella. And he says to Pat, He says, Is this the, the Mayflower? No, by Jesus' Pat this is the wallflower <laughs> And at that stage, he, he packed it up
6: then, you know?
5: Yeah. But that was way back in the 1960s.
6: And then um, in Carrick, then you had an old hall in Carrick. And then you had Little Village, you, because you had the shelter to these places, you know? And, you know all neighbours and everything met up in there in the town, you know, in Little Village and things. And was that in the hall opposite where the school is today? Well, that's right. Opposite school is there. Not, I think... Um, Noon built a house beside. Her, I think Ireland. there
2: was a carnival in Leitrim village. I think it was Leitrim village. And another cousin of mine, Christy, came back and he brought a crowd, and I went off with him down to the carnival. I was a great night. I can't remember what I was playing, but I met my first boyfriend that time at the place.
6: And but it was of local people used to have their own band. In pain you now they'd have their own band, and in in together was a group. And they play mu- music that time uh, l- before the top bands came out, you know, for local people
3: for local dances. Now, I see a dance here in Derry Lynn Hall on Sunday, the 14th of November, and music is by the Derry Lynn Dance Band. And Admission is one and sixpence and a shilling. Now, I don't know who paid the shilling or who paid the one and sixpence, but uh. Uh, so my, so my mother, yeah. And then it says here, the Cayley Band, Armagh, Dave Dixon and McMahon's Band from Clonus were recognized as all being the best bands around the area. There's another one here, a Town Hall, Ballyconnell, a Sonny Lynch's Band from Gauna. Amplified and augmented, our usual perfect floor. Now listen to this, Mike. Sure, many a man will spend a pound and many a man will spend two. But one and six next Friday night at the dance will see you through.
8: Isn't, isn't that great? Isn't that, great? Isn't isn't it that
3: great? fantastic? And they were creative. Weren't they creative? And like, you know, you kind of read them and you'd want to go. They were, they were, they were interesting and there was thought put into them. So it, it was a big business, of course. The early dance band business. They were sitting down bands before the show bands
8: broke. Cayley bands remained Kaylee bands, although some of them did uh, become country bands later on. I think perhaps one of the most famous would have been uh, the Old Cross Kaylee Band, which uh, morphed into Philomena Begley's band. The, the show bands really came from the sit-down dance bands, one of the bands credited with being perhaps the first show band at the time, before my dancing days, or, you know, I, I'm talking about the late 50s, uh, was the Clipper Carlton. And they were really the first to um, to stand out front, kick away the music stands and put on a show. But even more than putting on a show, a lot of the old dance bands that sat down, you know, they wore, they were very formal looking, they wore dicky bows and tuxedos, a lot of them, and... They just kept their eyes on the music, uh, on the music sheets in front of them all night. And there was no real eye contact with the the audience. And of course, then when the Clippers and a few other bands just came out of that scene, uh, there was eye
1: contact, there was uh, talking and, as I say, putting on a show. But we thought about a penny at a crossroads dance. It then went on, say, from uh, seven and six, when Bondi opened, the ballroom opened in the late 50s, to seven and six for the, the Clipper Carlton, and, and then it went back to five shillings. And you could see it remained at that. The more people came in, the more money came in, and therefore the recording of numbers was important. I remember being very young and going to see the Clipper Carlton. This would have
8: been the second phase of the Clipper cards, and. Barney Skillen was playing guitar with them at that stage, perhaps the greatest all-round guitar player Ireland ever produced. And um, I remember in the middle of the of of the dance, they would you know the the crowd would stop and the lads on stage, the clippers would dress up as Laurel and Hardy and put all of these different characters, and it was like it was like watching sort of vaudeville uh, on stage. It was just terrific. So it wasn't so much going through a dance. Dance was a big part of it, but also the show. So I suppose that's where the, the term show band came from. Some bands refer to themselves as band show, but the word show band stuck. The show bands themselves began to evolve and you had younger people came on, like Brendan Bauer, young Brendan Bauer and Joe Dolan and Dickie and all those bands. That's how it evolved, but it grew
1: with the people yes it was it was from that and, and because when, the, when, when you think say for take the Brendan Boyer and the Royal and they started in 57 and they followed the Clipper Carlton, they followed their style and they followed the introduction of American music or more pop music and the jiving wouldn't really been established I mean, it more a foxtrot or maybe in the bigger bands than Morris McCahie, it would be more disciplined but whereas the show bands brought in that the energy of Brendan Boyer That changed it. In Fainneville, which was built in 1946, they had over 2,000 some nights. And, I mean, they were like like bats they were really hanging off the ceiling. And some didn't get in at all. Mm -hmm. When the commercial halls came, and we called them commercial because they were built... By, um, ordinary people who had, some had returned from America with money Ben McGovern in, in Bonn by had returned Jim McGiburn in the ballroom in Den Phan. the Reynolds brothers that we all know locally here then would have been uh, seeing it from a commercial point of view that was the start and the second most major factor was when the crowd started going to the bands and the bands started to establish themselves they decided they would sit in on the door takings and determine what they wanted. Whereas the parish priest in the older, say if there were fairly successful parochial halls, he determined yeah. what the band got. So there's no sixty forty. then he, they were paid, uh, but the band saw this. The more people there, they, they have usually the manager sat in.
0: Yeah, and I remember watching an interview with one of the show bands where a member talked about A a performance that they were after doing and at the end of the night they went up to the person who was looking after the payment of the band and it was all done in cash at the time and the person, they they reckoned from looking out, you know, that there was up on 2,000 people there and yet when they went in and talked to the man that was over it all, he said... You had 1,100 tonight. Yes, yes, correct. Ellen from Drumshambo and Helen Toulon from Anna in County Leitrim, now recall those dancing days in the Mayflower.
4: Oh, God, yes. They always had top bands in the Mayflower, like Larry
9: Cunningham, the Capital Show band, Brendan Boyer. Oh, he was brilliant. And he got a massive crowd everywhere he went. Because he was Brilliant. He was brilliant now, a brilliant singer, yeah. He got a great crowd, a great a great now that time. To be a huge for him, yeah, yeah.
0: And a good mover.
9: A good mover is right, yeah. I should sure hit everybody to go on the hook the book.
2: The Royal Chopin, yeah. And that was used to be great. But it was always packed, the Royal Chopin, yeah. Joe oh. Dowan, You know, in those days we thumbed the lift. Mm-hmm. But one evening I was tumbling on the road and the one of the, the Joe Down and Drifters came on. Gotta lift Joe Dolan and the drifters up to us come and imagine. But Joe Dolan never spoke a word because he was asleep the whole time in the back of the car. <laughs> but it was a great I mean, I couldn't believe it. That's the one experience. Yeah. But uh, the other guys were talking the whole way, so gotta lift up to the whole way from wherever it uh, maybe I don't know where, where was, Elfin or where, and they were playing that night in Fairyland. That was one of the funny things about it. i I say when I got lifted that, with the toad and the drifters through. Oh, geez, they were great, yeah. yeah. That would be the band that stands out ever, but even all the other bands that played. So. Now, this is what I have. This is the song that my favourite song. All right. So, my favourite song and this. Is so? This one here is my own peculiar way.
0: So you have you have your your tape recorder here. You're going to play a song for us.
2: Yeah, this is my this is the song that I my favorite from uh...
0: Joe Dolan. Is it? Yes. That's my
2: favorite song.
0: And. Does listening to that now bring brings back, back memories? Oh
2: yeah, brings back Would memory. Be a comfort, yeah. To know you never die. I had at that time. <laughs>
0: so you remember out dancing I with knew, this yeah, and, yeah. and it's just like it was yesterday. That's
2: what I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drifters, yeah. To me there was something special about Joe Dolan's voice. There was just just that special thing that was when you hear the drifters playing, I just said there was something just different from everybody else, from anybody, from the royal and any other band. Joe to had something special. As that's what I thought all the time. So, went to, you know, you'd go to hear it, but he was just different from everybody else. The music the band had was different. They had some special tone in the band that no other band had. Now, this is me...
0: Yeah. Talking about it. I suppose when people describe that, it's a little bit like Big Tom and the Mainliners. They've got their own sound that yeah, nobody yeah. can copy. That's it's right. just something unique. And but this is
2: what I think we said. Maybe other people think differently. But that's what I thought about Jodhaw and the Drifters. And you know? well, then the a- Swarbigs, of course, they moved away from them, didn't they? The Swarbigs went out on their own. They left them.
0: Yeah, and the Swarbigs then went on to represent Ireland at... The Eurovision Song That's Contest. Right. They were and great.
2: Right. They really were brilliant. The Swarviks, they were brilliant, yeah.
0: And Butch Moore, another man. He Isn't represented it? Ireland the sure. first time ever at the Eurovision. I remember the Capital
2: Show Band. yeah. I remember the Capital Show Band. were all the other bands that played as well. This was the, the one for me all the time. I would go anywhere, I would go anywhere to see Joe Dolan but it was the sound that the band had and then Joe Dolan singing.
0: Sean O'Dowd now shares a story about his band the Telstars, named after the Tornadoes hit.
3: Yeah, I, I wanted to, uh, to have, and it was kind of a breakaway, a, a kind of a breakaway band from from Frank Murray because uh, I had some of the musicians uh, from Frank Murray's band. I had Sean Fox from Boy, who was a saxophone player, and Sean Durr on trumpet, and he was up outside El Fin, and Michael O'Halloran sang, who was a singer with Frank Murray, and my sister Phyllis was the female vocalist, and I was uh, sort of guitar. Sort of guitar player come vocalist as well.
0: In this memory, Sean recalls how it was his dad who saw a newspaper article about Chopin suits for sale in Mullingar.
3: So he he used to read the paper and read the ads and he saw this ad, secondhand Chopin suits for sale. Mullingar, we'll say 34. uh, Contact Ben Dolan. So contacted Ben Dolan, my dad did, And he said, oh, these are the suits from the Drifters show band. These are Joe Dolan's band. And I'm the band leader and I'm selling the second hand suits. We're getting new suits. So off we went, myself and my dad, up to Mullingar and located where the Dolans lived. Ben Dolan brought out a sample of a suit and showed us the suits. And they were red suits and they were very heavy and very uh, well made by a tailor actually in Mullingar they were handmade so to cut to the chase my dad bought the suits I think he bought all the suits for four pounds brought the suits home and handed them out and whoever fitted into the suit got the suit so we had beautiful red second-hand suits which were of course dry cleaned my sister had a red dress Phyllis and we looked the business away I went and my merry way to become famous with the Telstar show band, of course, which never happened because I didn't have the experience or the know-how to make it a success. But uh, yes, I wore Joe Dolan's suit at some stage in my career. And uh, I told that story to Ben and he remembered.
10: But I remember the, the first uh, time ever I saw a massive crowd at, at uh, that was in the Mayflower and the Shambo, and Big Tom was in it. And uh, I remember us going to it, and we had to walk nearly two miles to from in from our end of the road. You know, that was a that's one of the ones that kind of stuck in me in my mind, like you know, because uh, Big Tom of course, was was a major player at the time, and uh, the crowds he used to get were were unreal, like you know. So that's the first one I I can really think of, you know.
6: Four country roads winding to town.
2: You know, I can still see the colours, the lights when you're coming the Mayflower. And Mayflower was wonderful.
0: So you knew you were and, coming yeah. up to something different and yeah. something you special.
2: Yeah, you were going to but the Mayflower. You'd be going to the Mayflower and you'd see the lights, the distance, that's it. Yeah. I'd say the, May, the Ruski, Ruskaman and Mayflower, they would be the three places that I remember that stays out of my mind. The three places to my mind anyway.
0: The Mayflower would have been built in 1960. Oh, it was built in
2: 1960. The opening of the Mayflower
4: was in June 1960, the 30th of June 1960. There was a poem made up, a very good poem about it.
0: What would have happened at that time then, Ellen, you know, for the grand opening? Can you remember what the first band would have been?
4: Mick Dillahunta. And a huge crowd, yes. Uh, that's in the poem. The music rang out so clear and true from Mick Dillahunty's name. It was the talk of the place, this Mayflower opening in Drumshambo, I remember. I loved going to the Mayflower. So we look very forward, to going to the Mayflower. Was it a
0: case when you go into the hall that the women would be on one side and that's the men right. on the other.
4: That's right. That's
1: right. It was that way and it was it was it it almost followed the same routine from the parish church where the women sat on one side and the men on the other.
2: So the, the band would start playing and then the fellas would come over and ask them to dance, you know. That's the way it was at that time.
8: I came to the show band, uh, fairly late now. Um, you know compared to say the likes of Brendan and and Dickie and people like that who would have been there from 1962. I was only 11 in 1962. But I do remember when I was playing with bands like a a country band called the Cowboys or or the Mick Delahunty Junior Orchestra. And uh, I even had a stint with a few other bands. But yeah, I did notice that that was very prevalent. I mean, the women on one side, I would have seen that more when I was young and maybe at the dances rather than playing at them. By the time I started to play there were you know relief bands they used to call them They were like support bands and uh, so they would have seen that more than us by the time we came on pubs were closed and the the crowd was, was mixed I certainly do remember that when I was going dancing when I was very young myself that when you went
4: in the door you bought your tickets and on your left-hand side was the ladies cloakroom and the right-hand side was the men's cloakroom and you went into the cloakroom and when you handed in your coat for to be looked after, went in, maybe comb your hair and fix, give yourself a last trickling up, uh, you came out and you were asked to dance, and you danced away to your heart's content.
1: It, it sort of, some ways, it suited the girls in a way because they were with each other and their friends, and if they weren't asked to dance, it wasn't as bad.
4: Well, yeah, oh God, yeah. But, like, it was all joy from them times
9: and, and twist <laughs> <laughs> doing that's the sweet. twist
1: you could see a girl and you'd say you'll make there and you might never make
9: there you just, you know the, the fellas had come to ask you to dance or that and you'd be just looking to see you know who, who was coming next to dance with or whatever but uh, yeah that's the way it would be yeah, it is, yeah
1: and then there was other men who spent their life coming to the ballrooms with no other intention only being part of the crowd on the middle of the floor and they carried you along or to pull you back, or to tore your coat, or whatever. Would it be a case
0: that it was always the man that asked the woman out to dance? Yes, it was.
8: It was called the walk of shame. Some fellow would have to walk across to ask some girl to dance, and if she said no, he had to walk back, and he was to the derision of uh, by by all his friends. So it was was quite comical, uh, really, but um, that was the
1: way things were. It's usually two ladies' choice in the night. Usually one, but uh, some bands would be generous.
6: You might actually get the dance. You mightn't dance, or you—you know, it wouldn't be a good dancer, on you, and know? you wouldn't blame them for that, you know. You might get a kiss at the end of the night. Yeah, but you will. You don't. Know, some of them love like, them be into good dancing. So know? it was all about the dancing. Do what you You walk on their toes.
10: You'd be. <laughs> yeah, yeah their the advances then whether they were successful or not was another thing but <laughs> <laughs> and then they they'd have a slow set too to uh, oh, oh, help oh, things the, that was the one that was very important if you could get her to stay on for that one you were you were laughing and then uh, well and I believe they've had a mineral bar as well and then that was that was another added advantage because if you got her to the stage where you got her to the mineral bar I think you were things were looking up you know <laughs> mm.
8: and there'd be a mad rush the minute you know the dances were divided into three fast, three slow, three fast maybe, and an old time waltz thrown in the middle. But they would separate like the like the Dead Sea. You know, uh, the women go to one side, and the men go to the other side, and they would be eyeing each
1: other. And then the f- Mike, the best chance for an opportunity for for men if they came from a bigish family where they had sisters and the sisters and they'd learned them to dance at home. But even in the churches, you know, uh, husband and wife would go to the church.
8: Uh, and and there was a women's side and a men's side. So it just shows you how
1: how different uh, things are today and how we've uh, evolved. I remember this girl. Not only had she her boyfriend just come out, she was driving the car, she had her own car with her, and she had a boyfriend and he, or her date on the night. And they spent some time uh, together, but that was one particular uh, change I, I had never experienced experience, and I thought the guy was lucky and she spent some time with him and, and, and he got out of the car and went back in and went, oh, he, and she went off, started the car and went, went home. Things were changing and that particular incident from the Mayflower, that stands out more than any of the bands.
4: Yeah there's much fun coming home, it was all very innocent fun them times.
0: And lots of bikes Wept. parked outside.
4: I suppose
1: there was, and we often went walking to it. Some of them had only gone to dances, and maybe had met each other uh, locally, and therefore it was it was by bicycle, and uh, you know had parked their bicycles uh, maybe at the back of the hall or maybe if it's a broken hall they were brought inside so they'd still be there because a many person without those you know, the lamps were gone off them or they had to go home in the dark you see and usually the girls then if they came before 10 they got in free
9: it would be a mixture really coming in late you know from the back pubs that and, like i mean the night had been nearly gone by the time they got in
10: well that came in a bit i think when when the pub started to the, the, the women or the ladies as you call them started to go into the pub it was to entice them to get in a bit earlier you know and not go to the pub probably and uh, that was it. alright right. a lot of the dance halls you know uh, had the free admission for the ladies before 10 o'clock and then I, I suppose when you, if you had a big crowd of ladies you had a big crowd of men so it, it worked that way it was an idea that someone came up with and that was quite common in the dance halls at that time yeah yeah, yeah.
1: It was great hearing Drumshambo because you didn't have far to go. That's
10: right. Oh,
4: yeah, sure, it was beside us here in Drumshambo.
1: I do remember clearly Ray Lynham and the Hillbiddies on being on stage in the, the That I remember them clearly. And another night I remember the Smoky Mountain Ramblers, Like and, and because these guys and the Cotton Mill boys had fiddles and they used long hair or whatever, but these fiddles and you'd see the bows breaking... And all you see steam coming out of them when they be playing, like, and it's, and it's the fast you know, A lot of the
8: dance halls were built out in, you know, in rural areas, uh, and and very, very successfully. You know, I mean, a few of them spring to mind for me. I, I remember the
1: Fiannaville and, and the Leaf, as they called it then.
4: The Ivy Leaf. It was known in olden times as Fiannaville. We used to go there on a Friday night.
6: Fiannaville, but that was, um, that was going strong that time. Yeah, or very strong.
1: Because it wasn't in Balnamore, it wasn't in Fane either. It was out on a country road. And here, here was a hall that's uh, deceptive on the outside. And then you went in.
4: I remember Maisie McDaniel used to sing in the Ivy Leaf. And, oh God, they had top bands on it as well.
10: Yeah, and thousands of people.
4: Yes.
10: Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. The cars would be parked. I remember the cars would be parked, uh from uh, all down to the village in Fina there, you know, and uh, like that. There wasn't uh, a massive amount of cars around at the time, but they were coming from far and near to it, you know. And uh, it was the place. Uh, it was the place, and he got all the all the top bands, and he put all the top bands into it. But it was a state of the art place at the time it was done. with the new it was built purpose built, you know. So it was it was a big thing at the time, you know. Mick Woods played there. The Woods' band was in a big way that time, I think.
4: That's right, that's right, Michael Woods. Lord have mercy on him, yeah.
6: They went to England and they went to America. Kevin Woods went to America
4: playing. Yeah, I think the brother that was the head of that band, Kevin Woods, he went away to America many moons ago.
5: And I met him in America, actually, a number of times. But uh, And that lady there, to the best of my... Memory now was a lady called, she was the singer Vera Morgan. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she was married to, or is married to, uh, Val Joyce. You he, he might hear him on, on the late, radio. Late night radio. Yeah. yeah. That's a chap at Frankie Keegan from Mottle. And I think that's all I know there now, but that, that, that picture would be going back to the 60s.
0: So that photograph there is of a band what would be known locally as the Woods Band, would that be right?
5: The Woods is the Royal, Tevin Woods and the Royal Show Band.
0: And they were a Leitrim Band?
5: They were a Leitrim Band and uh, they were very popular now, they actually were known as a Royal Show Band even before I think Brendan Boyer's became famous, you know,
0: Phyllis Clancy, mother of Sean O'Dowd, spent some time in the Woods Band, as Sean now recalls.
3: She would have probably been playing with her own band uh, up to the about the early fifties. She ended when when a, a clatter of children arrived. Uh, so, and then she did stints with other bands. She she played with Frank Murray's band. From Carrick and Shannon She played with Kevin Woods' band from Drum Shambo. She did a long stints with them As a piano player Or as a vocalist or an accordion player While still uh, rearing us So
4: she, she didn't uh, she didn't give up Well Woods' band was It was a big band They were all musical too There was Kevin and Micheal and Maureen Maureen Dorton She's not long dead
6: And um, Tommy Rain They had their own band The Rain Heel yeah. Kerry Band yeah Tamarine had the bench, and at that time Sonny McEwan and you had Francis Foley and uh, Kevin Dower they played in that band back in 1959, 60 That time um was uh, jo Lackey from Tom Kirk was a good band he used to play uh, uh, the fiddle in and, and you had um and Murray with Carrick, we there were a band there that came in.
2: And actually in his own his old time he had a band in Carrick, Frank Murray Band, at one stage. But at that time they had a shop. Patricia Murray, they actually owned Murray's shop and Frank Murray joined taxi at that time and he used to bring us down to the dance and that's what we do. Go down, that's how we got out. I would say, Well okay, Manny Armani, who's going tonight on Sunday night so what we'd have to say, we'd hire Frank Murray, we'd win and say how much it cost to cost, and we'd hire Frank Murray. And he must have waited for us down at the Mayflower.
5: Well, Frank Murray from Carrick, yeah. Frank had a f- terrific band, yeah. Patricia uh, Gartland now would be Frank Mar- Murray's
0: uh, daughter. There was another band then, Noel, with a drum shambo connection, the High Lows.
5: Yeah, well the High Lows, the drum-chamble connection there, if I remember correctly now. The singer... On the band, I think, was some Grimshamble. Margaret O'Rourke, wasn't it? God rest her. She worked with me in Lairds. She, re- she worked in the office there. Lovely girl. P.G. sister. She was in Bandlet Died a very young woman.
4: Margaret O'Rourke was a lovely singer. Oh, she was a lovely... I have CDs of her. Well, uh, Margaret O'Rourke was very musical. Because she was a cousin of the McManuses. And the McManuses had a band. Uh, Porrick McManus and Laurie McManus they had a band
0: and would they have played in the likes of Doherty's yeah, Hall yeah it was a Cayley band
5: we used to run a carnival here as well uh, the local GA But you get to the swimming pool there's a gate there and that field we used to have a carnival in there
0: that lady then Margaret O'Rourke she would have worked so in oh, she did. while yeah. she was in the band oh yeah she did uh, that was her full time job actually yeah and was there somebody else in that band then with a local connection called Jerry Reynolds?
4: There was, yeah. He was from Muffin. and he, he was a nice singer too.
0: And he was also in the High Lows. He was,
4: yeah. Jerry Reynolds and the High Lows. That's what the band went by. Jerry Reynolds and the High Lows.
6: Um do have um fellow, Sonny McGaughan, he was a great m the fiddle uh, they were all good lads playing on the fiddle, I didn't know
0: Yeah. And then in Drum around nineteen sixty, before that he used yeah. to go to Doherty's Hall and they that, they'd be having Cayley and Yeah, but McGowan had his own band named Drum Shambo.
6: The McGoffins in and
5: they Led that would be the late Tony McGovern and Alan McGowan's um Father, Ned had a band. In fact, there's a picture there of Ned and some band we he's never managed to pin, to pin down the name of
0: the band. Other band in Carrigan Shannon, the Savoy Swing Seven.
5: Oh, yeah, Micho, Mick, 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 Mick Shivnan. God rest him. He lived and died in, in uh, San Francisco. I met him out there sometime in the early 70s. But he was, he was, he was from Kiju. Well, oh, he was a very good, a very good musician, very
0: good. And then in Rooski, Des Ty was
5: yeah, another. But he, he'd even be a bit later now.
0: You know, that
5: would be. I, I, I. They used to play a lot in the golf club in Carrick when I was a member there. I was captain there in 1979, and they used to play at an awful lot of the the, the, the gigs on a Sunday night. Yeah.
6: We used to go to McClone's in Keshe, In Keshgar, we were, And we all meet there, and we get lift, we had a the car, we get a lift to the vehicle. Uh, and, um, that time, Fannin wasn't the doorman, and some of us wouldn't, want to his in, he wouldn't, he wouldn't stop us. And, uh, we were very young at the time, we wouldn't be dancing around, And there'd be a lot of problems in problems you know. And it's very good that
1: him they believe. The I remember Big Tom and the mainliners been there, and and when he came on the stage, the stage went back. There was a, it, it was a moving stage.
10: Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, when the Connells from Ballinamore took it over, uh, uh, they put in a, a moving stage in it. Which at the time, you know, there was sometimes you'd have a. a um, a uh, small crowd, we we'll say, and it wouldn't look good in the beat. So they got the idea of putting the stage on wheels. And actually, my brother was involved in that too. And he, he uh, designed the stage for them and you could move it forward. It all you had to do was push it forward and back, you know. And it turned out to be a great idea because when you had a small crowd, it was nice and cosy as well, you know. So it was one of the first ones to do that as well, you know.
1: When Big Tom and the Mainers came on, went right back as far as it could, nearly out through the back wall because the crowd was so intense and the sweat ran off the walls and you, you had absolutely... And I remember then the, 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 the mirrors on on the walls and the, the sweat running down it and guys then with, with uh, shorts and, and ties and the sweat and the it, it actually could squeeze the water out of it. Everyone wanted to be there and were there, of course, the attraction of... The
10: big bands,
0: Hughie. You've got a little bit of the history on the Ivy Leaf.
10: I uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. With with uh, the first man, it, was, it wasn't Ivy Leaf. It was called the Villa, and it was famous all over Ireland. He was a man called Patsy Camboy. He came back from America, and uh, now these uh, tales have been told by mum and dad. Uh, you know, the, he he was the first man, uh, and he had kind of a run in with the hierarchy at the time because when he opened up, that time there used to be no. Uh, there used to be no dances, Jordan Lint. He was the first man that he went and he organised uh, uh, dances, you know. So obviously the the clergy at the time didn't look on it well, and and he was banned from all clerical stuff or whatever you call it at the time or that. But he didn't pass any heed on it. Really, he went to head on. He was a man that was probably along 50 years before his time you know he had uh, he had good ideas on that and uh, yeah he went on and it went on to be very successful oh it was it was one of the most famous places in the west of Ireland as the villa you know and it, that lasted up until about uh, I'd say the 70s and that and then it uh, the new owners took it over and they called it the Leaf and it remained that until it closed for good you know
4: because in them times there was no dancing Jordan Lent but uh this man changed the whole ball again. Every Sunday night to the Mayflower We had no dances from Show Tuesday till St. Patrick's Day
0: Would the bands have played If they were asked Or was there a law there That prevented them from playing at that time
4: I just can't dance you that There was just no dances any place. I think it would have been against Our religion really Go dancing
1: during Lent. The church laws would, would probably forbid, like, you know, you take, you know, meat and a Friday and all, the, and in, in that category, you see. It.
0: And of course, in the dance hall, it was only a mineral bar, there was no alcohol being served.
4: That's right, there was a mineral bar and a supper room.
0: That time you used to
8: have a sandwich, you have enough money for a sandwich and lemonade. And funny enough, that probably led to the demise of the dance halls because the uh, later on when the you know wh- when there was competition from from hotels that was one of the things that um that that uh, attracted people into the hotels and away from the dance halls because you know the the the, the dance halls uh, being in out in the middle of or in rural areas like that they couldn't compete when the when the when the uh, hotels came came on offering you know you don't have to travel you can come in here have a drink, and better conditions and also of course uh, the conditions that were on offer when people used marquees, uh, which which were very popular as well, you know they weren't uh, weren't very salubrious as they say so you know the dance halls didn't evolve. And one of the one of the problems there, I'm saying this as, as somebody who doesn't drink, I never did, but one of the problems was that, you know, people weren't able to have a drink or a social drink. And then, of course, women started to, uh, you know, to go into the pubs as well. There was a time when you go into a dance hall and the women would be dancing with each other until the pubs closed and the men came in. So Ireland, the, I suppose you could say that the history of the dance halls, the history of the show bands, reflected uh, um, the, the social history
0: of the country. Parents at home, what did they think of all this? Because it was a big change for the parents having come from the, I suppose, period of time of seeing people dancing in the houses yeah. so that yeah. they could socialise or dancing yeah. at the crossroads. Yeah.
1: I think parents are marvellous, mate, because in latter years at the ballrooms, and especially into the market years, there'd be five or six that drive in because they'd be in the car they'd never be you'd never have a car to yourself and if you were you were you were part of a group and they'd be brought into the house and, and there'd be tea and the girls would be making tea for these lads and it would be it would be maybe three in the morning and the parents would be above and, and wonder what was going on like, and they realised this their daughter was home safe she was fine would it finish up with the national anthem?
9: oh god yes yeah they would yeah yeah, the wood, and everybody would stand to attention, and most people would anyway. Yeah, and sing would. along to it. I sing along to what it. is right. Yeah, it was always, it was always played in the dance halls. Yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: And in the cloudland, then, would you hear? The lead from side say an up lead from at the end of it.
9: well you could yeah <laughs> or they might be glad to get us out for a scam. <laughs> I don't know yeah you, you could hear anything <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true indeed Larry Cunningham was very good it
2: was my lovely
0: lead from the always
4: end up with goodbye good luck may God bless you and you'd be in tears sometimes if you're after enjoying the dance yeah you know that was over
0: and then everybody would head home get the head bike oh, or well, get the car
4: well you mightn't head home straight away now you'd hang around for a long time there was no hurry on anybody we often walked home we often
9: day nights when we'd come home we we're in no hurry it was hard to get home from the mayflower because we had used to have to walk like it was a good bit now you know and um it was all right There was good bands playing there too and we enjoyed going down. We always got down like all right, but getting back was the problem at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But nearly everybody then, a lot of people were looking for lifts anyway. You know, it's going to get, you might get as far as carry.
0: That's it from my first programme on show bands and ballrooms. My thanks to everyone who spoke to me on it. And a reminder to look out for programme two, where we'll be talking about Cloudland and sharing lots of other stories. So for myself Mike Mulvihill thank you for listening until next time goodbye